Titus chapter 1, verse 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. Well, friends, we're looking this evening at just this one uh, single verse. Uh, we looked at a bit of the background uh, last week, and I won't say too much more about what we said last week, just one or two things, uh, but uh, just concentrating really on this one uh, single verse, because I think that's enough for us uh, for uh, tonight. Well, Paul and Titus had uh, landed uh, here on this island of Crete. It was not long after Paul's first imprisonment uh, in Rome, and this seems to have been, we cannot be sure, the first stop that he had made. He's on his way uh, probably to Ephesus, to Asia Minor, on his way to visit the other churches uh, that he had planted, but he's making the stopover uh, here at, on the island of Crete. There are many churches uh, here on the island. Churches probably that were planted before he landed, planted probably not by his own hand and his own work and ministry, Maybe some of them were on this particular occasion, but when he arrived, there were already a number of churches which were existing and meeting together and worshipping together, probably set up, as we mentioned last week, by some of those Cretan Jews who were gathered together on the day of Pentecost and heard the preaching of Peter and the other apostles, were converted and uh, heard the gospel uh, wonderfully and took it back uh, to uh, Crete. Probably also during the time of the persecution of Stephen, when the church was scattered at that time because of the persecution. Well, no doubt some Jews landed here on this island and settled there, and again the gospel was established uh, further. The Crete, we could say, uh, one or two things about it, one of the largest islands in the Mediterranean from east to west is about 150 miles long and the average breadth was about 30 miles and it's said uh, that around this time uh, there were about 100 or so cities in this small island. So a fairly big island but uh, a number of cities there. Many Jews uh, were living in Crete. Many wealthy and uh, influential Jews uh, were there. And we see that even the Judaizers uh, had got in uh, to uh, got, got amongst the churches uh, here in Crete. And verse 14 also tells us that Jewish fables were also uh, being taught uh, by some of these uh, Jews. So something there which Titus would have to deal with uh, very carefully and uh, deeply and uh, sharply in some in some cases. So. Paul uh, landed here with, with uh, Titus, but he couldn't stay too long, it seems. He had to rush on uh, to Ephesus. He had limited time uh, here, and so he just has to, he's begun to work amongst them. He's begun to teach the brethren there, but he has to move on to Asia Minor, to Macedonia. And so that he leaves the work in the hands of Titus. The work is incomplete. There, are still, there is still a lot to be done, and the work is unfinished. So he asked Titus 
to remain behind to complete the task that uh, they have started. To complete the task, primarily we could say, as you see here, by ordaining elders, to ordain elders in every city, and also to straighten out things that were lacking, to set in order the things that are wanting in the church. So a deliberate task, specific task, is handed on uh, to uh, Titus. And Paul instructs him before he leaves, this is what I want you to do, this is what I want you to concentrate on. He was in no doubt about what Paul wanted him to do. He's very sure about the task in hand. There was no uh, fuzziness about it. He was uh, very clear on, wh on what he needed to apply himself to. Very important work was given uh, to Titus. He had to uh, look after uh, uh, things. He had to superintend, supervise these different churches and go about ordaining uh, leaders uh, in the church. A very responsible task has been placed upon his shoulders, and he has to apply himself diligently uh, to this work. He has to carry it out courageously because there is going to be opposition and there are going to be some hard things for him to deal with. But he, he must uh, stick to it and stick to that which is given to him. Time also is not on his side, really. Uh, we see the end, uh, chapter 3, towards the end, verse 12, Paul writes, When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me, to Nicopolis, where I have determined there to winter. So as soon as Titus gets this uh, letter, and he hears about Artemis and Tychicus to follow after, well, he's got to make his way across to, uh, to meet Paul in Nicopolis. So he knows his time is limited. And so he, he can't dilly-dally in this work. He's got to uh, put himself to it with a determination to do as much as he can in that short uh, period of time. Our friends, there's an application, isn't there, uh, for us uh, here. Uh, for this cause left I thee in Crete, uh, Paul said to Titus, and the Lord says the same thing to us. For this cause leave I thee in the world. Uh, he has gone before us. He has gone to, to heaven. He has ascended to heaven. Christ has finished his marvelous work of atonement and of redemption. And uh, it, it, he, he, he's gone uh, into glory. But he's left his people behind. He's left believers behind until their time is done until their work is finished. And then he comes to take them home. Interesting, actually, just an aside here, death. Death is not just us dying and going to glory. Death for the believer is somewhat different. It is Jesus Christ himself coming to take his people home. He comes to receive us. Death is uh, a means of grace, the Lord coming uh, to bring us to glory. But... Uh, here we see we also are left behind for a cause. There's a reason why God leaves us behind. We may want to go to heaven now. Maybe things are hard in our life, and the Lord knows these things. Maybe things are very difficult. Our situation is, is, uh, is, is uh, unbearable at times. I mean, we may think, well, 
I want to exit this world as soon as I can. I want to make it to heaven, or maybe I'm aging and I'm feeling the pains of uh, old age. And that also may, um, may make me wish to go to, the, to, the, to glory with the Lord. And yet the Lord says, not yet, not yet, because there's a work for you to do. There's a cause for you uh, still to engage in. There's a work for you to do with diligence and responsibly. A work, of course, for all believers, and that's a work of witness and testimony. That's why the Lord leaves us behind uh, uh, in this world. There's a contribution that we are to make to the church of God generally, yes, to the kingdom of God, but specifically uh, to the local church. Every believer should be doing something for their local church, a specific work. Some, of course, are called to preach, but not everyone can do that. Some are called to teach the Sunday school, but not everyone can do that. Some, some can drive, not everyone can do that either. So we all have our different gifts, gift of helps, gifts of administration, all the different things, everyone contributing, doing what they can, uh, and taking that specific task as uh, from the Lord. The Lord has left me here for this cause, for this purpose, uh, to be such a witness and testimony and a worker in his church. And it helps us too, isn't it? Just like I'm sure it helped Titus to know that his time was limited to, it helps us to be more diligent if we are thinking along the lines of, well, I don't know how much time I have in this particular role and task. I'm thankful that I can do something for the Lord, but how long do I have before I lose my health, before I age or something happens to me or circumstances change and I can no longer carry out things as I want to. So it's good to have that at the back of our minds, time is short uh, for me. Well, Paul asked Timothy to stay behind and help in the work. Could Titus, we may ask, could Titus have said to Paul, no, sorry Paul, I don't think I should stay, I think I should carry on with you. Could he have said no and refused Paul's request? Well, he could have. He could have said uh, no. Thankfully, uh, in this case, he, he chose to say, stay. He could see that there was a great need, and he chose to stay. On another occasion, uh, when Paul asked him, uh, before his first imprisonment, Paul asked him to go to Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 12, 18, I desired Titus to go to Corinth. And again, he went willingly. He didn't uh, refuse to go. But you look at 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 12, uh, there Paul wanted Apollos to also go to Corinth. He desired him, not only desired, it says he greatly desired him to go. He really, Paul came along to Paul, Apollos, come on, the church at Corinth really needs you. They need you to teach them. They need you to go alongside and, cons I, I, sorry, I need you to go alongside and consolidate the work that is going on there. Apollos, will you go? And he was not minded to go. He said, no, it's not his will to go at this particular time. Not that he was being stubborn or difficult. It's just that he felt that in the will of the Lord, it was not for him to go there and then. And there's a very, very important principle uh, we could draw uh, from this. And that is, work for the Lord must always be taken voluntarily. 
work for the Lord must always be done willingly and never under coercion or compulsion. Elders, well, we may tap people on the shoulders and ask them to do something. Would you mind helping out in this particular area, in the Sunday school or something? We can request help from others. We cannot coerce people uh, to do it. We cannot, even though they're believers, we cannot make believers uh, do things. They must respond with a willing heart and we, with a willing, willing mind, apply themselves uh, to the work. That's the way the Lord wants it. Same with giving, isn't it? The Lord loves a willing giver, a cheerful giver. And you could take that principle and expand it even uh, to uh, work for the Lord. Well, one other thing we could say about, about this is when in Paul's request to ask Timothy, sorry, Titus, uh, to stay in Crete, we see Paul's humility. Uh, he, is, he needs his fellow worker. He doesn't say, everything depends on me. I am the main man. All authority belongs to me. Everyone must come to me for counseling. Everyone must uh, seek, uh, seek advice from me. No, he, uh, seeks, he, he knows that he needs uh, other people to help out in the work. And uh, we see this uh, in him attri attributing and, uh, to, to Titus this work uh, of uh, staying and sorting things out. He doesn't think he can do everything. And that's a very uh, humble aspect, you see, of Paul. He was a great man. He was an apostle. Titus really wasn't an apostle officially. But he was also, uh, uh, Paul treated him as a fellow uh, worker, a fellow laborer, a fellow servant uh, in the Lord. And even when he wrote this epistle to Titus, one of the reasons he wrote it was well, not really only for Titus, it was for the whole church in Crete, so that the church could see, well, my authority is behind Titus. So listen uh, to what he's saying, listen to what he's teaching. In a sense, he's saying, well, you know, uh, my authority is, is divulged uh, to Titus, so listen to him. He wasn't one who said, oh, it's my authority, everyone must just listen to me. Uh, but Paul uh, was a humble man. Well, let's move on. To set in order the things that are wanting. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. To, that is, to carry on the work of arranging and ordering and amending the things that were left. Paul had started the work, the idea is here, but he hadn't uh, finished it. He didn't have time to see it uh, right to the end. The work had begun, but it wasn't uh, completed. And there were still things which were lacking uh, in uh, the, the churches in Crete. Principal thing, as we've said, was the ordaining of elders. But also teaching was necessary. Paul had, as we say, laid, laid the foundation doctrinal-wise with them. And now uh, Timothy, uh, Titus, has to build on that. We could say Paul maybe gave them the milk of the word. And now Titus has got to come in and expand on those doctrines and give them a little bit more meaty uh, stuff as well taking them uh, on uh, further in the faith. Practical instructions. Paul had told them about that. Now uh, Titus has got to expand on it. He's begun that work, 
but now Titus has got to carry it forward and show how it relates in the home and in society and to government and, and so on, uh, which, is what he do, which is what he does. So Paul, we could say, has laid the foundation, uh, but uh, Titus is to build upon that. Night and day, he, Paul said to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Why did Paul want to see the Thessalonians and pray so earnestly that we may perfect that which was lacking in your faith? The same idea. The church was somewhat incomplete in some ways, in order or in uh, theology or in understanding. And Paul wanted to go and, and fill that gap and meet that need. Same as you know with Rome. He was very keen to go to the church at Rome, a church he hadn't seen, hadn't met, but he said, I'm very keen to make my way to you and eager uh, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Not gift as in the gifts, but some spiritual help, some spiritual uh, doctrines which would establish you uh, further in the faith. And uh, he was aware that the churches there were uh, lacking at, in different things, and he sought to meet that need. Well, if New Testament churches were lacking, what about us and the churches in the UK in, this, in these days? We have to say, sadly, that there are still things lacking in the churches in the UK. Many have a very a good, reformed foundation. It's laid, but they, they lack in evangelistic preaching. And there's no regular gospel preaching in the churches. And sadly, you look at the church and you say, well, that's very good that they are teaching, but they're not preaching any, uh, any message specifically to the uh, unconverted. Oh, but we preach the gospel every time we open the scriptures. They Often we hear that argument come through. But there's nothing specific for the unbeliever. It's rather like, I think, like a hit and miss, you know, like... I uh, can't remember exactly the Old Testament person, but or the, the arrow that was just shot into the air, and he just, you know, it hit, as it were, by chance, the king in his forehead, but it wasn't a deliberate shot. And sometimes people who, who use this sort of thinking, well, like, whenever I preach the word, I preach the gospel, it sounds just like, well, I'm just aiming, I'm just hitting it, uh, an arrow in, into the air, shooting an arrow into the sky, and hoping that it's going to convert some soul. That's different from gospel preaching, which is directed specifically uh, to hit the target, to hit the unbeliever, to win him, of course, not to uh, condemn him, but to win him uh, to the Lord. So it's, it's, we see a lack of gospel preachings. We see some churches lacking in Sunday school work. They have something for the church kids, but not for the community kids. And for those who really also need to hear, who have no gospel in their home. Uh, we know that there are a number of churches uh, we are in contact with who would love to do a Sunday school. But manpower is the issue. And they just don't have the people to do it. But there are churches who have the numbers, but uh, this aspect uh, is uh, neglected and this part of the work is uh, put to one side, sadly. Well, friends, what about personally? Are there things lacking in me as a believer? That's a good question to ask ourselves, to examine ourselves. 
The work of salvation has begun, no doubt about it. We are believers, but it's still unfinished. And which area needs more working on? Which area is still incomplete? As Peter tells us, uh, we must be continually adding, adding to our faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. All these things keep adding, he's saying, uh, keep growing in grace. This will keep you from uh, being an unprofitable Christian. Are there areas in our life uh, which we should be attending to, as well as personal growth? Are there areas in my life where I, which I should be doing, which I'm not doing? There are other things we can think of. Well, friends, uh, everyone here, I'm sure, is, is in the Lord. But some people, isn't it, they lack saving faith. The biggest lack of all is to have faith in Christ. And they're lacking in saving faith. And we pray for those in our congregation uh, who are in that unconverted uh, state. Well, I move on uh, to this last part. And the work of Titus to ordain elders in every city as I, Paul, had appointed thee. Now the word here, ordain, to ordain, is to set in place. It's not the uh, official, formal ordaining as you may think when the person is actually set apart. Uh, but here it's the, the, the word is to set in place, uh, to constitute a person, to appoint somebody uh, to a particular uh, work to do something. And Titus was to set in place. He was to go uh, from city to city to appoint elders there in Crete. The word elders, well, I'm sure you know, means uh, presbyters, and it's a synonym, uh, a synonym for elders is also overseers and uh, bishops. Now, in our day, we understand the word bishop differently from uh, the biblical uh, explanation and definition. Today, we think of a bishop as one who is a higher clergy member and who has jurisdiction and uh, he has all the smaller congregations uh, under him who are responsible, who, who uh, he's, he's responsible for, his diocese, where they, they call it. So a geographical area, and all the churches within that geographical area respond and re, uh, are accountable to this particular bishop. Well, is that the biblical way a church should be run? A hierarchical way that a church should be run? Well, no. That's not the biblical pattern. Biblical pattern is that uh, a, a bishop here really is, the, the meaning is the same as an elder, the same as a, a, a pastor, a, a teacher, the same as a, an overseer. The three words actually, elders, overseers, and bishops, used biblically, are synonymous. So a, a, a bishop in scriptural terms is one who has the oversight just of a single congregation. The other word, overseer, refers more to the function. What does he do? What's the purpose of an elder? What's his work? It's to watch over that particular flock of God. Not other people's flock, but uh, his own flock. To have the oversight of them, to feed them, of course, with the word of God as an under-shepherd, and to rule by the word and by example. And uh, this is uh, his, uh, his role 
as an elder. Well, how was uh, Timothy, sorry, I keep uh, saying Timothy, how was Titus to go about uh, this work of ordaining elders? Uh, was he to visit every church and impose elders upon them and say, I've chosen this man and that man and this is the one who is going to be your leaders? Is that how he did it? Well, friends, if he'd done it in that way, that would have come across very, in a very heavy-handed kind of way, an imposing way, and certainly not a biblical way. The way it was done in the New Testament churches was somewhat uh, different. They operated in a different way. Each church, each church was uh, independent of each other. Each local church uh, had the responsibility uh, to elect its own office bearers, not to uh, have it imposed, as it were, upon them. Elders and deacons were men, and men only, no women, okay? And they were selected by the church. They, they came usually from within the church, not always, but uh, from within the churches they were chosen. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, Acts chapter 6, very well known. When the church at Jerusalem needed deacons, they didn't have any at the time, but they need somebody to do that practical work of distributing the food uh, uh, to everyone, and the elders couldn't commit themselves uh, to such a work. Well, Peter instructed the church to look ye out, to seek out from uh, among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint uh, over this work. And when they heard that, the saying pleased the whole multitude, that is the church. And they, they chose, they chose Stephen and so on, the other six as well. And then they set these seven before the apostles who formally set them aside for, to the work. So you see, the church is doing the choosing, not the apostles didn't say uh, these particular ones. And the same in Acts chapter 14. And verse 23, we read, Paul and Barnabas ordained elders in every church. When you look at that, you think, well, again, Paul and Barnabas maybe imposed people upon them, but actually the word ordained there means to stretch forth the hand. And <laughs> I used to think that means stretch forth the hand to ordain, stretch forth forwards the hand to ordain, but actually it means stretch forth the hands upwards to ordain, in, in a, to vote. So when... Uh, in, to, to vote, to say, yes, I agree with this particular person who has been uh, put forward. It's, uh, that's what it signifies. And it's, so men were obviously chosen. Paul and Barnabas recognized in those churches men who were gifted and able to do such a work and maybe were already in the process of teaching. And they were put forward to the church and the church selected. The church voted on it. And the church said, yes, uh, these men will be our elders and our minister and so on. So that's how uh, things uh, operated. And I think that's how Titus also went about doing this particular work uh, as a superintendent over the work, going from church to church, putting forward those candidates who were then approved by a show of hands by each local church, men who were evidently uh, gifted. Well, friends, uh, churches need to be organized. Churches sometimes 
uh, underorganized, and then other times they are overorganized. But uh, there does there does need to be some order. Uh, churches need elders and deacons. Uh, the churches here in Crete, uh, maybe at this particular time, uh, they already had deacons, or maybe they were of a smaller size and elders could cope with the work and so didn't need uh, deacons as yet. Maybe that'll be sometime later. But uh, just as we need order in worship, so there must be order in the running of the church. God is a God of order. And you notice even that the order that is given in the scriptures for the New Testament churches, the pattern uh, for us all to follow, is a very simple one. Just elders and deacons. Elders, deacons, that's it. And the congregation. Elders see to the spiritual side of things and deacons uh, to the practical side. Elders look after the flock and uh, preaching and uh, the ruling. And you have the pastors, the ministers uh, amongst the elders. And deacons look after the practical issues concerned with the church. A number of churches have veered away from this simple model and gone to that extreme of becoming very corporate-like and business-like in their structure. So you see, and I think this is more particular in, in churches across the ocean, uh, that uh, they have this board of directors and you have a CEO uh, who, is, uh, who is over all things as well. Well, that's not very biblical terms to use and it's, it's, it's uh, very suggestive of just following a very business model. And then you have uh, a board of directors, a director for almost everything that's happening in the church, a director of evangelism for the old, a director of evangelism for the young, a director of music, and so on and so on. Well, it's going a bit uh, too far, I, uh, I think, anyway, and, and veered away from this very uh, simple uh, way of doing church and organizing the church. But then one final point, and then I come to a close, and that's just this. Uh, elders, friends, are God's blessing uh, to the church for the benefit of the church. That ministry that they impart to the church is for the well-being of the church. Not that they are special people, but it's God's blessing. Christ is concerned that his church uh, is uh, well provided for, well taught, and kept, and watched over, and uh, kept from the evil one. If there are wolves coming, that they're warned about the wolves, and that's the, the task of the watchmen, the elders. And so it's very much for the blessing of the church that the elders are provided. A church without a pastor is bound to suffer in some degree or other. And sadly, there are a number of gospel churches that are pastorless, not because they choose to be so. They want a pastor. We know. We pray for some of them. But uh, there are few men coming into the ministry these days. Few men who are taking up the, uh, the ministry and wanting to serve the Lord uh, full time. And so I close with this one thought. Let us pray also, friends, that the Lord of harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest field. That he would raise up uh, young men and, uh, who would come behind us to take, uh, carry on, take up the banner, to uh, carry on the fight, to want to serve the Lord in his full-time capacity, how we need uh, such a man uh, of God. Oh, may the Lord bless us with these few things.